0: The Sports, Sports Talk, Talk with Devin, Devin Wade briefcast. Well, geez, and Any giving so Sunday me. anything. What well, we think so far? Lakers were they oversold? Welcome
1: they oversold. to the
0: Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to briefcast thirty-two of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Of course, that's when I come to you guys solo without the special teams unit, two of which joined me last time out for episode 81 and had a chance to revisit with Biscuit and Kalina. And, of course, coming up in future episodes, the other half of the special teams unit, former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson, and, of course, the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. Uh, he'll be in the building as well at some point. But this time i have a great one in store for you, including what's brand new. That's when I'll talk about what's going on in my world. In addition to that, we will get into some of the headlines, and I will tackle or I'll try to tackle, give you my view on the complicated issue of Jay-Z and the NFL partnering together for entertainment and social injustice purposes. We'll get all into that. In addition to that, we will try and I'll say this again, try to do a, we, the people segment didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to go yet, but I know that some folks were having some fun with me, but nonetheless, we'll do that. Then at the halfway point, We will have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. He will be in the mix. And, of course, that brings me to... If you are a fledgling artist or an established artist, it doesn't matter the genre and you want your music exposed to the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of folks who listen to the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast, just get with me, email me, or hit me up on social media and uh, send me your music. And I will play a snippet at the halfway point, And I'll play an entire track at the end of the show or the majority of a mix. So uh, it doesn't matter what the genre is. It's as long as it's clean, relatively clean, and we will play it on the podcast. We've done country, we've done gospel, we've done rap, we've done mixes. We've done. We've had artists from Chicago to wherever. So we've uh, we've done that already, and look to do more of that and give you guys some exposure. In the second half of the show, I am very excited to be talking baseball with Moishepender Bauer, our resident sort of a baseball expert. This is a guy we go to. We don't go to him enough, but when we talk baseball and we want an expert, we go to him, have an opportunity to talk to him about the stretch drive of Major League Baseball, that playoff push, and the push for home field advantage. We talk a lot about the Houston Astros and Jordan Alvarez and uh, all those good things. So a lot of great baseball talk in the second half of the show. We do have a Lamont Award, and uh, the Lamont Award goes to the big dummy, and we have a huge dummy this time out, and we'll get to that in the second half of the show, and we'll close things out with before i let go with that i want to remind you guys how you can reach out and touch me it starts and ends it doesn't end but it starts with Wade's Word Productions.com. the website wadeswordproductions.com w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d productions p-r-o-d-u-c-t-i-o-n-s.com wadeswordproductions com. That is a website for all my TFEs, the folks that listen to the Friday Express, and of course for all of you who are interested in what I do on stage and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. On that website, you can subscribe and get emails from us uh, periodically to let us know, let you guys know when we're doing remote, so we have something special coming up or uh, a happy birthday to you or whatever. I mean, there are ways we'll reach out to you. Uh, we won't blow up your inbox, but we certainly. Certainly will maintain communication. So if you guys forget about us, we can remind you uh, that, hey, we'll be in your neighborhood because we do have some remotes coming up. So get excited about that. We do have some swag coming, some gear and some things that you can order to show your support and support this podcast. So all of those things uh, and a lot more coming up. Uh, online at wadeswordproductions.com and of course there is a phone number now and that's associated with the we the people segment that we have coming up a little bit later on it is 832-941-6614 that phone line is open 24 hours a day for your comments your feedback for the questions that i will pose to you on the website and on my social media on Twitter, I'm at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. So all of those ways, but we tried to simplify with one-stop shopping at the uh, with the website. So we did that. Next up, it's time for what's brand new.
1: Brand new, brand new, brand
0: new. What's brand new for me is I am running down, running out of time on my reading list. I put a deadline on myself to finish by September 1st. I have probably a book. Well, I won't meet my goal. I had, I was going to read three books over the summer. I've read a lot. I read constantly. I'm constantly reading articles and information about sports. But I wanted to read three books this summer, and I am almost through one, And I have started a second and I will never make it to the third. But so that's going for all of you who've asked, how am I? How's it going with your reading list? My reading list is coming along and uh, you'll be excited to know that uh, maybe I should. Should I start the the D-Wade book? (laughs) Club? It will will take years to do because I just don't look. This is what it boils down to. When I have downtime, when I have a moment, it's hard for me like most people these days to pick up a book. Instead, I'll I'll scroll through my social media to catch up on headlines or I'll look at Instagram and I will contribute to the ills of our society by looking at some of the Instagram models, which I'm not proud of, but I am only a man and I'm only human. So the bottom line is I waste time. (laughs) Well, it's not always a waste because I do learn things by reading articles and tweets and keeping up on injuries and all of those things. So, but anyway, I don't sit, just say, Hey, I'm going to take some time out. In addition to that, I'll go back and I'll look at old games. I'll look at news stories. I mean, so I, I rarely do. I just have time to sit and read, but I'm going to dedicate between now and September 1st, I am going to dedicate a couple of entire days to reading. Now let's see how that goes and see how how close I can come to finishing those books. I know for some folks, it's pathetic that i I, I won't set aside more time for reading. I will try and because I, I want to do better. I want to do better, but you know that's where we are with that. Because <laughs> I know that you were just been sitting on the edge of your seat wondering if I was going to read my books and give you reviews. Maybe I'll give those reviews to you guys. Um, but let's get into some headlines. A lot going on. I woke up this morning to the tragedy that Cedric Benson, former UT running back, former NFL running back, died in a motorcycle accident overnight in Northwest Austin. He is a guy that sort of represents he's a, a, a true texas high school football legend and what he did at Lee, texas is so huge it's rare that we give props to other sections of the state so you have the golden triangle you have the greater houston area you have the metroplex then you have Way out west, you know, where you have uh, Midland and the, the Odessa Permians and all of those folks, and then you have the extreme west with the El Paso schools, and so every part of the state has a you know, sort of a a pride in the way they play football. East Texas is big, Lufkin and Marshall; those those folks they they are really proud of their football. So it's rare that we really just give a lot of props to guys in other parts of the state. But Cedric Benson was an incredible high school running back I think he won three state titles then he went to the University of Texas the second all-time leading Russia in that school's history and uh, he had a uh, underwhelming NFL career he was uh, it's and again this is just what I seem to get a sense of what I recall uh, without looking at the stats it just felt like he never met his full potential and it also felt like he had a little bit of that Ricky Williams in him where he's a little bit aloof a little bit not just football, football, football. I, I don't know, but he was 36 years old. He passed away and uh, a tragic loss for the University of Texas family, for the Longhorn family, and for Texas high school football. A young, young guy, and uh, a good guy by all accounts. Just a tragedy on a motorcycle, and uh, that's about all I know as it pertains to the details of that situation in addition to that preseason NFL football is well underway to, uh, for most teams their second they, they're playing or have played their second preseason game the Texans are no exception got a chance to see a little bit of Deshaun Watson and uh, DeAndre Hopkins team up for a touchdown and you know no news is good news as it pertains to no major injuries And uh, again, we won't know until the real bullets start flying. Uh, I did see where they were still kind of predictable in the red zone. It was just the athleticism, the pure athleticism of Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins that made uh, that touchdown hookup uh, early in that game happened. Uh, not to say that, it, again, last year the team had a lot of problems being very predictable in the red zone and really in the green zone. And such was the case last night. I think they were able to sustain a drive uh, because of a penalty, and then they were able to get into the end zone. But uh, we'll have to see what happens moving forward with that and a lot of other aspects of that team. Still don't know what's going to happen with Javion Clowney. On KTSU Sports Talk yesterday, we had this big debate on whether or not the Texans should pay Jadavion Clowney. Both seem entrenched in their uh, stances where Clowney's going to have to play for the franchise tag if he's going to play, and Clowney wants an extended deal. He wants to get paid. He's seen other guys in this organization who are, I would say, less deserving get those long-term deals. I don't know. I don't, I've never gotten a sense that the Texans really loved Clowney. They were almost – he's such a – genetic freak and such a tremendous athlete at at his size, you know, you, you, you sort of put into a corner and had to take him. You couldn't pass on him. And of course you take him and he got hurt that first year and he missed some games the second year, but since then he's been relatively healthy, despite, what Kevin Allen and some of the other folks think he's been relatively healthy, but there's this perception that he's not a hard worker. He's not committed. If you give him this long-term deal, he may, he may go soft on you. I, I feel like you have to pay the guy. I I feel like you, especially when you have an unproven back end of your defense, that front seven is going to have to really get to the quarterback. Last year, merciless, uh, Whitney merciless sort of fell off, And, you know, again, with J.J. Watt, you you think he'll be okay. You think he's the one guy you can count on. But, of course, he's getting older. He takes that pounding. You need pressure from the other side. And remember, when the Texans had the number one overall defense – uh, J.J. Watt didn't even play that year. But if you have a a, a really healthy, motivated Clowney and a healthy, motivated J.J. Watt, man, that can wreak havoc on offensive lines all over this league. But you have to make a decision if that's what you want to do. There are rumors that they may go out and try to trade for a left tackle, which is not a bad idea. But if you don't get pass rush, you don't have guys on that back end that can buy you a lot of time. So that's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, We'll wait and see on that. A personal note from last night, in the press box, the PR staff for the Texans put a picture and some flowers at the seat normally filled by our late friend or my late friend, Max Edison of the Houston Defender. We've talked about him. He's been on this podcast a couple of times. And I I said this before, we were texting probably about an hour, hour and a half before he passed away. It was just a sudden, tragic loss. And uh, a lot of folks in the the sports community, and especially the African-American sports community, are still sort of reeling about that. And just a shock. And, you know, you talk about Kim Davis and A.D. Moore and the folks over at Defender. And, of course, you know, we all knew each other and were around each other and and could call on one another for opinions. Or uh, He's uh, sorely missed and a great gesture by the Houston Texans. In the NBA, big news out of L.A., or at least for the L.A. Lakers, DeMarcus Cousins, who signed a one-year deal with the Lakers, after coming off a couple of injuries for Golden State, tore his ACL. He will be out for an extended amount of time. If he's able to play at all this season, I don't know uh, how quickly he can recover. But, boy, you talk about a guy who probably lost in a neighborhood of $200 million because of injuries. And I think, you know, you don't like to think that these one sport in sort of uh, influences another sport, but in this situation, you can look at this guy in the headlines and see, man, this guy. He lost a lot of money because of injury. And these NFL guys, I think it strengthens their resolve when they realize hey, we don't have guaranteed contracts. And in, if, in the case of uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Jadavion Clowney, these guys want to get the long-term deal and as much guaranteed money as they can get. Um, because, again, it can all go away. And, man, I cannot think of a guy who's lost as much money as Cousins had um, because or oh, has since again. This guy is a big man; could do it all inside, outside, shoot the three. He's he's been aloof and he's been a problem, sort of for your organization. That's why he's kind of bounced around a little bit. But I can tell you this: he was maturing. I think his time at Golden State will really benefit him from a professionalism standpoint, understanding what it takes to win and be successful. But again, we'll never, well, we may not know for a while uh, because of his injury, and he'll never recoup the money that he would have made had he been able to stay healthy. But that's a a bad, bad break for Mr. DeMarcus Cousins. Also, in sort of the headlines, Dale Earnhardt, my favorite nascar driver because again he's probably one of the one or two that i can name no i I can name i could actually probably name if you press me i probably could name five six seven of them maybe maybe when i hear their names i'm familiar with them i know kevin harbick and jimmy johnson anyway nonetheless Because I'm not going down that road, but I will say uh, Dale Earnhardt and his family survived the plane crash, and it plane uh, that they were traveling into Bristol for this weekend's NASCAR race. Uh, it skidded off the runway and onto the side of a highway and burst into flames and he and his wife and kids and uh or kid kid or kids and dog got off safely to plot pilots or got off safely as well. but boy, what a scare and the question is how did he get home after that? If you have a plane crash, do you go back and try to fly home? and you know, I, I would think this is what I would think. I would think that you would get right back on the horse. I think if you wait any sort of time, but again, i you know, you have some folks who have deathly fear of, of flying period. So I, you know, for me, logically I would say, Hey, you got to get right back on the plane. Even though you got on a last time you got on the plane, it ended up in flames and you running for your life. Well, you got to fly home. I, I don't know. Unless you're going to go John Madden and get on the bus. I, there are plenty of people who do it, but <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I think you, the man, can't imagine. I've had some problems, some heavy turbulence, nothing where I was really, really fearful. I did fly on a smaller plane and I didn't like that because you could feel a lot more movement, a lot lot more turbulence. You can feel it. I can only imagine what it's like to fly on a private jet. And of course, when you think private jets, well, me, and I'm sort of morbid and sort of fatalistic, I think of Payne Stewart and a couple of other situations with these planes, these private planes. But nonetheless, glad for him. I like Dale Jr. He's retired and he's commentating, but he, you know, he's a good guy. Good. And I remember, and I actually was watching Daytona the day that his father died at Daytona. I was actually watching at that time. I don't make it a habit of watching NASCAR, but I will watch – Maybe the first few sort of uh, laps and I'll watch, you know, it it depends. If nothing else is going on, I'll watch the last 20 or so laps. I know enough to know some of the terminology, but I'm glad he and his family and the the, uh, pilots made it out safe because that could have been a really, really bad, tragic situation. So glad for him. With that, let's delve into the complicated issue that is Jay-Z and his Rock Nation partnering with the NFL on entertainment products for the league, i.e. the Super Bowl halftime show and other big events that they do year-round. Uh, he and Rock Nation will produce all of those things moving forward. I don't know how long the deal is, but this is what he'll be doing with the NFL. In addition, he will be creating platforms where players can, I guess, acceptably sort of voice their displeasure with social injustice or they can speak out or speak on behalf of causes that have to do with social injustice. Don't know what that'll look like yet, but I know what the goal is to drive away from uh, taking a knee on the field. So let's go back because I have to talk myself through this. It's such a a complicated thing that I have to work through this and I'm leaning one way. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do, because my initial reaction to Colin Kaepernick taking a knee sort of has evolved anyway. So so from that, from the very beginning of all of this, my views have sort of evolved. So let's work through this together. So initially, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, I did not think that that was the most effective way to protest. Now, in a way, I was right in a way I was wrong. Now, that certainly got more attention than anybody could have ever imagined. I mean, this guy, this would still be going on that the president of the United States. Now, who would have foresaw we having a clown in the White House? And and I know that people will not want to hear that, but I don't care. It's just you can't argue with that. I I don't if you want to ride with him and, and whatever your motivations are. And I suspect I know what those motivations are unless you're a multimillionaire. Uh, then I, you know, I, even in those cases, I understand. But if, if even if you're riding with him, you're riding with him, whatever, whatever. So we couldn't afford for foresaw that this guy would actually made it to the White House. But anyway, so Colin Kaepernick takes the knee. I thought it was not but wouldn't be effective because you would alienate so many people instantly that they wouldn't want to hear anything you had to say. They would instantly deem you the bad guy. There is a political component and uh, who will make sure that they... And they did make sure that they uh, sort of drew a line to say that this is just un-American and unacceptable and they don't listen to anything else. So, in other words, they were not not that they would have anyway, this certain segment of society, whatever that is, whatever that segment of society is. They would not have been responsive anyway, but they certainly wouldn't have been responsive when you take a knee during the national anthem. And because there are folks who like to lead the sheep into this divisiveness and to say, hey, we don't have to deal with the real part of the issue. We don't have to really deal with the issue if we deem the messenger as un-American. You know, why would we listen to him? Why would we entertain anything that this guy has to say when he's disrespecting our country? So in a way, he took those people away from the conversation, but they probably wouldn't have been in the conversation anyway. But he woke a lot of people up. He stirred a lot of people up. So in a way, I was right. and a way, I was wrong. He got more attention than I ever. You know, you just didn't know that this was going to blow up the way it did. But who listened? And again, I think across the board, a lot of folks on the left, I mean, if you want to break it down on left versus right, a lot of people on the left did get more active. A lot of African-American folks uh, really, they were socially active. They paid attention. I don't know. I think everybody was looking for something to do when you see, when you were seeing constantly black men being killed. Tamir Rice, a child getting killed, for uh, Philando Castile getting killed, and nothing was being done. And you don't want to go out and, and do something horrible. You want to change this some sort of way. And I think that he activated a lot of those people at least on the surface to do things like boycott the nfl to to be active on social media to keep this stuff in the limelight so he what he did ultimately accomplished his goal then he goes on to play he opts out his contract trump comes out blasts him now the nfl is on the defensive and they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, no! And so now the flag waving, American loving NFL, like the NBA doesn't love <laughs> the United States. I mean, it's just like, oh, they have a, a copyright, a patent on loving the United States because they, you know, they fly the military jet before the the games and they have flags. And I love all that stuff. All that stuff is great. I don't have a problem with that because I, I love the United States, so it's the only show in town. It's like dating women you 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 may get up in a lot of bad relationships and there's a lot of things you don't like about that woman but hey it's the only show in town you know there's the only what, what are you gonna do so you know you you have to work on improving things here and that's what he's trying to do so now he's banned from the league so a lot of things have happened uh, since then eric reed who took a knee with him who was blackballed for a short time and colin kaepernick settled with the nfl we don't know the terms of that deal. We don't know what the arrangements were. We don't know what the agreements were. But still, this guy has not been able to find a job in the league. So along comes Jay-Z, who's done a lot of social activism in, himself. He's done a lot of good stuff. He's done a lot with Meek Mills and other issues. He's done a lot. And, and I don't want to take anything away from him and when, as it pertains to that. But the situation is this. You team up with the NFL, and what you say is we're past kneeling. That is the one or two – it's one or two quotes in there that that just bother me. And, and the other thing is that this has been an ongoing kind of dialogue between he and the NFL. So it's not like they hadn't been talking. And I'm, from what I hear, from what Eric Reese was, says, is that he's been in constant communication with Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z has, and hadn't – I guess hadn't mentioned this or maybe yet. I don't know. And, and the, the the tough part about this is Colin Kaepernick won't come out and say anything. And that's tremendously frustrating for me because you ignite this movement and then you step out of the way and all hell breaks loose and you just lay back in the cut. And whenever you want to do a video, you do a video saying, oh yeah, I still want to play. Or you do tweets. I follow him on Twitter. He does these, these, powerful meaningful tweets i mean and i believe he's committed to the cause but i think he has a responsibility this is what kevin allen and i and some, some a lot of folks out there disagree to me you have a responsibility to come out and and help guide this move or at least clarify some of the things that are going on as this movement has sort of morphed into a bigger movement and he just has sort of disappeared we don't know what he's thinking have you talked to Jay-Z? What are you what what do you think? Because again, you are in the epicenter of all of this. So you are the reason why all of this is going on, and you have a lot of people up at arms, a lot of people boycott. A lot of people have not watched the NFL game since he's been away from the league. And in the meantime, he's gotten his money from uh Nike. He, he can uh, I, he'll never be broke. I don't worry about that. He had a he's made a ton of money in the NFL before he was blackballed. So he'll be okay. It's not like the Muhammad Ali thing because Kalina and I kind of went back and forth on that. So I'm frustrated with the fact that he hadn't stepped up more now as Kevin points out and, and I just use him, but he sort of speaks for so many people. Points out, Hey, everybody's not Muhammad Ali. Everybody is not able to speak up and, and do those things. And And I get it. I truly understand that. But I just think that sit down with somebody, do an interview, pick whoever, You can have any journalist in America to have this conversation with and craft your message and understand. So we'll understand what's going on. Not that we, everybody needs you to move forward and be active. We don't need you for that per se, but it would provide a lot of understanding of how you feel, where you are, what, what's going on with you. So there's that component. So in this situation, let's look at the situation. And this, this is where I, I, it's complicated for me as well. Because I never could boycott the NFL. And this is why I could never boycott the NFL. For all of the issues with the owners and the exploitation of the players and the, and the contribu- political contributions to people who don't have the best interests of brown and, and black people on their minds, they have a whatever political agenda, whatever, whatever. For all of those things that have gone on, I can't think of anything that has produced more, high-profile millionaires. You could talk about entertainment and all of that, but every single year, millionaire, I mean, you know, guys, you'll never know their names are becoming millionaires because of, of the NFL. So if you boycott and you ruin the NFL, you ruin an opportunity to make a lot of millionaires that can do a lot of things in their community and create generational wealth. So while you want to punish the NFL how much do you want to punish the NFL do you want to debilitate the league so the guys can't make their money so that's one reason why I mean obviously from a professional standpoint I couldn't boycott the NFL but I wouldn't want to because for all of the negativity there's millions and millions and millions of dollars all you have to do is watch draft day and watch how these guys, a lot of guys come from sort of uh, adverse socioeconomic situations, become millionaires or get to go to college, not even going to the NFL, get to go to college. How, a lot of guys, I, ain't, I, don't, I don't know what a percentage is. I don't want to name a percentage. But with the high cost of college, how many of these guys would even have an opportunity to step on a college campus at some of the premier universities in this country without football? So you start to to. Ban football or or sort of boycott football, you create sort of unintended consequences. So, that reason for that reason, I never wanted to boycott. But I look at the situation, and Cabinet got paid, Reed got paid, Jay Z's getting paid, and you have a lot of people who are unhappy, and it's a complicated relationship with their favorite sport. I have a complicated uh, sort of relationship with football less complicated than some people because I'm going to watch the NFL, but I am uncomfortable with ownership and the Stephen Rosses of the world and the Bob McNairs, the late Bob McNair, and you start to pay attention to how they move politically and how that affects the guys that work for them. But I guess in how many walks of life the, the business owners and their employees share the same political interests. Not a lot. So on that level, I can kind of detach myself from that. If you uh, are worth a billion dollars, and you don't want to pay millions and millions and millions of dollars in taxes, then you might want to support a guy that doesn't have the best interests of your players at heart. So those things I can kind of get. But I don't know how to feel about this. But my my initial thing is, if you look at what we seem to know about Jay-Z, it doesn't seem like this was a purely social justice move. (laughs) It doesn't seem pure of heart. And I know people say, well, uh, hey, you got to have people in the room to to push the argument forward. And Jay-Z may very well do that he may very well make the kind of difference that you need to make long-term. And he may may lead to a pathway of Ka- Kaepernick being back in the league. I, I don't know. It's too early to tell. Or he may not. Because, like, when people saying, well, at least he's in the room. Well, but understand, he's not Frederick Douglass, okay? He sort of walked this line where he has sort of celebrated the fact that he, he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps, with hip-hop, and of course, he he sold drugs, and he's not shy about his life story. I mean, just a master at capitalism. He's he's a model. He, I think LeBron is the best model, but Jay-Z is a businessman through and through. And now you have to ask yourself, well, where, where does that responsibility end? It, I mean, as a free African-American, you should be free to do whatever you want and make do business with it, whomever you want to do business with. It shouldn't even be an issue because you're free. And, but people made sacrifices for you to get that freedom to do that. So that is where it all gets so complicated. And I just think about you know, Jazzo and Dame Dash. <laughs> so when I think about, hey, the sort of the book on Jay-Z. But, you know, I don't know how to feel about this thing. I think that the NFL is exploiting the situation. You look at the nba the nba has sort of created a situation where they have done all of the right things uh, by their employees by the basketball players uh, adam silver the commissioner the nba has done a great job. anytime they want to protest and step up and do things they enter into sort of partnerships with their players and they they sort of facilitate a an environment where guys feel free to speak up nfl has never done that but in addition to that The NBA is stealing the headlines year round. I mean, they're getting all of the love. Now, financially, the NBA hadn't caught up with the popularity of the NFL. Not yet. But I'm telling you, year-round, you're starting to get NBA headlines. That is the cool league. Look, football, look, Roger Goodell and NFL owners can look at baseball. Baseball was, a, was the sport. It was America's pastime. It was popular with everybody, black, white, green, Latino, purple, whatever color, whatever race, whatever situation, baseball was it. Then baseball loss is cool. It wasn't cool to play baseball, and it's still not as cool as it once was. I remember as a kid, there were prominent African-Americans doing their thing on every single team in every household. In my neighborhood, people watch baseball, not as much as football, basketball, but they love baseball. So the NFL looks at that and says, well, we don't want to be the not-cool league anymore. How can we bridge that gap without compromising our values and and keeping this guy out of the league. Well, let's team up with the highest profile African-American entertainer that we can. That is Jay-Z. So now they've teamed up with Jay-Z, and all of a sudden, you know the halftime show is going to be dope. You you know it's going to be some Nicki Minaj or somebody high-profile, DJ Khaled, somebody. You're going to have some A1 entertainment. Now, what do we do with that? Are we glad that we're represented and it's not a Maroon Five situation or a Katy, uh, what if Katie Perry, that's her name, Katy Perry. So the entertainment value will step up. What do we do with that? And what if if they never come back for, for Colin Kaepernick? Can we deal with that? Now I do understand that African Americans are not monolithic. We're not. We don't have. We're not going to be on uh, of one opinion. But where do you fall on that? Give me a call, 832-941-6614. Again, 832-941-6614, because it's complicated. I don't, I'm don't. i really against the move by Jay-Z, but I, maybe time will tell, and maybe something else will come out of this. Maybe it's not just the money grab. I don't know. He doesn't quite get the benefit of the doubt because of his past business dealings, or at least what we – Perceive them to be whatever the reality is, uh, you know. Again, as Jazz O, as Dame Dash, and, and like I said, look in in that room. You know, he's in the room, but he's not Frederick Douglass. Okay, that's not MLK in the room. All right, so let's not get it confused. But give me your thoughts on that. I mean, at the end of all of this, I'm going to watch the NFL. I really want Colin Kaepernick to get another shot at the NFL. I, I just think it's important that he gets back in symbolically they could squash all of this in a heartbeat by signing him and letting him uh, do his thing. And even if it doesn't mean he's a start anymore, at least he's back on an uh, NFL roster. But again, we'll have to see time will tell. Uh, I'll be uh, looking forward to hearing your opinion on that. Going to go to a segment now that we call we the people. We
1: the people. I got to make This is where we go
0: to the phone lines or check online on WavesWordProductions.com. If you go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page... Uh, or actually, the tab on the website at the top on the menu. Uh, below that, it's a uh, a scroll down menu, and you will have a We the People segment. Under that segment, I have a poll. I have poll questions for you, and also the phone number so you guys can call. I'll have questions that you guys can call and respond to. So uh, I open up the phone lines, and I and I waited. And I know how these things can be. I think once it, once people start to call, the momentum will pick up. Uh, but I took this serious, and uh, I'll just play the message, uh, the first message that I got on the uh, We The People, uh, really the phone line, the 24-hour holler back line, as Biscuit likes to call it. Here's the call. They
2: are, they are coming out with a new Top Gun movie, which I know was one of your favorites.
1: Who was your favorite character?
2: Mine was the black guy who almost got into a fight with Maverick. Who had the really cool sunglasses. He was. He also starred in *Walker Texas Ranger*. I'll give you three dollars if you can tell me what his name is. All right, call me back.
1: Hello, Devan. Hello, this is Melissa Cartridge. You know, I, I've been listening to you on the podcast and I just love what you're doing. I think it's, it's quite charming, isn't it? And, um, you know, I am I, a, a producer in the UK and you, we are really trying to reach out to our urban listeners and get them more involved. And I really think that you have that. That. Uh, that je ne sais quoi. You, you just, you're lovely. You're so charming and you, you're laughter and you, I love everything that you're doing. So, uh, sweetheart, tell me, how do you feel about football? Uh, 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 European, that is. I, I don't want to um, misspeak and, and talk about the American football. None of that. We don't have any of that. We love the European football. Uh, what do you call it? Um, soccer soccer, isn't it? Um, we'd love for you to do a podcast for us and possibly even live over the, you know, over the waves concerning uh, soccer, uh, football, actually. And uh, we think that you would be great at it and uh, reach a diverse people group here in the UK. So uh, how about I give you uh, a your information and um, maybe an audition tape here or there. I'd love to hear more of your. Um, You're talking about uh, about football and you know. Let's see what happens, love. I'd love to meet with up with you soon. And um, what do you say at the end? Um, jolly good day, isn't it? No, no, no. Um, oh, you have a great day. To
0: that I say ha ha ha. I do something in good faith and I open up the serious phone line and Biscuit is the first one and actually it was both calls. I I had two calls. I thought I was only going to play one. I ended up playing uh, both calls and uh, the first one was Biscuit and I suspect I know who the second caller was. Let's just say I'm not booking any flights to England just yet. With that going to wrap up the first half of the show going to take a time out on the other side MK Bauer and some great baseball talk and of course our lamont award and before i let go but before all of that a word from our sponsor and a word from our d not a word but a a mix from our dj dj anarchy it's the sports talk with Devin Wade podcast on itunes TuneIn, soundcloud spotify or wherever you get your podcasts is joined now by Moisés Kapenda bauer How are you uh, this morning? Uh, thanks so much for joining us.
2: I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you?
0: Great. Um, you know what? I want to start by asking you about the Astros. The Astros are on a five-game skid right now, but it seems like since the trade deadline, sort of the World Series matchup has been penciled in. It's the Dodgers versus the Astros again. Talk to us and tell us why the moves at the uh, Trade deadline was so significant to really sort of push the Astros to the forefront as a favorite to win it all.
2: I think the one advantage they have over the other contenders in the American League is their starting pitching depth, and by adding Greinke and even Sanchez to an extent, it furthers that depth. Look, the Yankees obviously have been had a fantastic season offensively. The bullpen is fantastic. Their starting pitching is a question mark. They still have the best record in the American League. Um, the Twins have been a, a great surprise. In the, in the AL this season. And the Indians are still going to be there in consistent at the very end. But I think when you look at what the Astros have to offer, both offensively with the depth of their lineup, particularly with the addition of Yordan and Alvarez, not only his power, but his left-handed bat. And with their starting pitching depth by adding Greinke and Sanchez, um, they are the best team in the American League. The record doesn't say that right now. Pythagorean does. the run differential does. I think those things are important. Um, they're the best team in the American League. And that doesn't mean, it doesn't guarantee anything when the postseason comes. But you rather go into the postseason feeling like we are the best team. They feel like we're the third or fourth or fifth team uh, out of the teams that are going to be in the mix. So I think the addition of Greinke puts them in a position where they don't have to rely so much on unprepared starters and the four and the five spots that they had been with um, McHugh and Peacock both going on the DL for legend stretches. And I think it sets them up to have a really strong rotation when it comes down to the postseason when you're utilizing three or four starters.
0: Now, I want to ask you, this five-game skid, is this indicative of anything in particular, or is just just sort of the the dog days of summer uh, catching up with the Astros on this West Coast swing?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's interesting. They're in the midst of playing 17 games in 17 consecutive days, and that rainout out doubleheader situation in Chicago really put them in a bind in terms of how to utilize their pitching. That combined with Garrett Cole missing his start due to the right hamstring tightness because it ended up putting them back in a situation where they're relying on A pitchers to fill in, their bullpen got stretched really thin on that day when they played two games in, um, on one day as the doubleheader with um, Chris Stavisky having to do an emergency start for Garrett Cole. And really, they haven't been able to catch up since. So I think you can make an argument that their, their offense has a tendency to be boom or bust, and that is cause for concern. I mean, they still leave a lot of guys on base running some scoring position. They're clutch hitting has been grossly inconsistent, even though I think there's an argument to be made there's no such thing as clutch hitting. Their power is extraordinary. Their depth is very, very good. But I think you would like to see them do a little bit more productive when it comes to situational hitting. And you, who knows how that thing is going to play out when it gets to the postseason. But I think, w- to speak to your point right now, it's August. It's a difficult time for the season for a lot of teams. Teams going to slumps. They have won eight games in a row before losing um, six or seven. I think they'll be
0: okay. Now, you mentioned Garrett Cole's hamstring, not cause for much concern. But this team, despite all of the injuries throughout this season, still until this, like I said, this five-game skid, uh, had the best record in all the MLB. Talk a little bit about how the Astros have been able to to stay right at the top throughout the season, despite a lot of injuries to some very important players.
2: It's interesting. I think their bullpen kept them in, in, in play early on, even though it has been very good lately. I think, obviously, they had a great depth of talent, offensively to overcome the loss of Altuve, Springer, and Crayer for Leslie stretches. Again, Alvarez coming up, doing fantastic things for a while. Malenis um, Diaz was doing great. Uh, Gula Gurriel was having the best season he's had in the Astros uniform. Um, all those things combined have really helped them kind of maintain pace Garrett Cole, obviously being pitcher in a month in the American League back to back season, back to back months, has helped Justin Verlander may win a Cy Young Award um, this season. The top end of the rotation has been very good. I mean, I'd be remiss to, to forget Wade Miley, who's been much better than anybody could have anticipated. So the top end of the rotation has been very good. Their bullpen was very good in the first half of the season, and they had contributions offensively from guys that maybe they didn't quite expect to be as good as they've been or have been better than past records would indicate um that's enabled them to be where they were when they got Springer and Altuve and Correa back and again I think if they're healthy going into the postseason they'll be fine that hasn't been a guarantee with this team it undermines them last season against Boston they have to be healthy to kind of get through what's going to be a very challenging gauntlet in the American League postseason
0: now I want to talk about the Astros offense but first let me ask about the bullpen how do you see uh, the bullpen moving forward uh, obviously the starting pitching is Incomparable for the most part around Major League Baseball, but what about the bullpen?
2: It's a, it's a bit of a concern. I, I don't know how much of a concern it is. I think some of this is just general regression. I'm speaking specifically of uh, Ryan Preston and Roberto Ascilla. Those guys were extraordinary the first couple months of the season, maybe getting deep into the first half, and they've really backslid a great deal since. I don't think it's indicative of anything about performance more so than maybe Osuna's hiding an injury. I know that's been speculated. He's hiding an injury. I think Pursley was so good early on, ridiculously good, that he has to kind of, water has to find his level to an extent and he's kind of come back to earth. But I think those guys are both really, really good. I think they're good enough to anchor a strong bullpen in a postseason. I'd like to see what they do when um, Josh James gets back. I'd like to see what happens with um, Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock, guys who've been great performers before who haven't been that good for them this season. The components are there. I think they have enough arms to piecemeal their way through any postseason series and do so effectively. But I think certain guys have to perform better than they have of late to give you the sort of confidence going into the playoffs that we have enough in that bullpen. Look, they can't do anything at this point now. There is no second deadline. So they have what they have. And I think at some point it may the onus may be on A.J. Hintz to manipulate this bullpen like he did two seasons ago and using starters here and there to get them through some tough stretches. But really, they have plenty of arms necessary to get them through. It's just a matter of guys performing um, uh, at the stuff.
0: Now, this year we saw something different with Major League uh, Baseball's uh, hard trade deadline. And previously, uh, you could b- make trades afterwards uh, with the w- if they cleared waivers. Talk a little bit about the change and what that did uh, for this Major League season.
2: I think it forced teams to really make decisions quickly in terms of what they were going to do. Like You had the opportunity to kind of go through the month of July and wait to figure out what you are going to do from that point moving forward. It's interesting to me because there was a lot of speculation that the Yankees would make a move for a starter. There was some speculation that the Dodgers would do something to bolster what is an extraordinary team already on their end. And those two teams did nothing. And I don't know if that means anything. We'll see if it means anything come October. But, you know, for, for what the Yankees have accomplished this season, to be as ineffective with their starting pitching as it has been it was surprising that they didn't make any moves, but I think they feel pretty confident that they can do the same thing the Astros have done now later on when they get all their bodies back offensively. Look, they've had a great year with a lot of guys hurt. I think when they get those guys back, they'll be fine. And that's why it kind of gets back to the earlier point you and I were discussing about records. I think home field advantage in the American League playoffs is going to be very, very important. In the National League, I honestly believe the Dodgers are far and away the best team. Uh, I think there's a gap between them in Chicago, Atlanta, St. Louis, whoever else makes it, Washington, whoever else may make it to the postseason, I think the Dodgers are a good lap ahead of all those teams. In the American League, it's much, much closer when you talk about the Yankees and Cleveland and Oakland and Minnesota. And I think particularly with the Yankees and Astros, home field advantage is going to be very, very important. And that gets back to my point of I'm surprised the Yankees didn't do anything to add to their roster as good as it's been. It may be important that they get home field over these next five weeks of the regular season.
0: Now, I know the overall health for the Astros as an organization, talking about their farm system, is better than it has been probably ever before. Um, But what did the Astros sacrifice in making those trades at the trade deadline as it pertains to the future. We've seen it before uh, when you give up a lot of young talent and, to try to make that run and, and then you sort of deplete your your farm system. Talk a little bit about what the Astros gave away and will that affect them uh, long term?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's been something I've been thinking about. Not specifically for the Granky trade. I think to an extent Seth Beer and Corbin Martin were depth pieces. Seth Beer is. Basically, what they already have at Jordan Alvarez, a good bat who doesn't have a really good defensive position, and they already have that. Colbert Martin is coming off as, uh, Tommy John surgery. He won't be prepared to pitch again probably until 2021. 20, so they, and, you know, they gave up pieces that are important to them, but I don't think it's going to break the bank. I think the bigger picture with them as their struggles developing pitching, period. I think if you take a step back and look at where they are with their Major League pitching staff, there's a lot of guys they traded for. Just a Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, Wade is a free agent signing. They haven't really had much success developing pitching. And if Force Whitley doesn't come around, the guy they've been holding on to for a couple of years now, refusing to include in any sort of trade talks, that's going to be something you have to pay. Um, down the line they were able to kind of get through this year without trading whitley and without trading tucker kyle tucker and those are their most important pieces they already have alvarez up in the majors those three guys have been their top prospects for a while now but to your point they've kind of undercut their depth a little bit a and b their inability to really find good starting pitching in the minors is going to be a concern at some point for this team but right now it's world series of Bus, and i'll worry about that later
0: now, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, for us, he I mean, he burst onto the scene, and for I guess the masses, he's burst onto the scene in almost unprecedented way. And I want to talk about Aquino in Cincinnati, but let's talk about Alvarez. How surprised were you by what he's been able to do uh, so far? I mean, he's just been a just a star, an instant star. Uh, were you as surprised? Had you known? How much have you known about him? And did you expect this kind of start for him?
2: I'm surprised by the hit tool. Everyone knew about the power. The power didn't surprise me at all. I'm surprised at how advanced he is as a hitter at 22 years of age. Like, his ability to go the other way, his patience to play, his desire to take walks when they're there to be taken, those things have surprised me more so than anything else. I didn't know he would be this advanced of a hitter at this stage of the game. And then on top of that, honestly, Devin, I'm always of the opinion that I'm worried when young players are asked to DH because typically. Playing in the field helps maintain your concentration. The fact that he doesn't play in the field, and yet he still has the success as a hitter at his age is wildly surprising to me and really a huge positive for this team moving forward because clearly he doesn't have a true position. I think ultimately he may end up playing first base once Julie Garriol's time is here. Time here is done. Or they'll stick in the left field, even though left field at Minute Maid Park is a challenge. The fact that he's been able to have this level of success at this stage of the game despite not playing in the field, you know, an 11.45 OPS is remarkable. That's a huge plus for the team and a huge plus for him individually. So I'm curious to see how this kind of plays out. I think um, he's been in a bit of a slump lately before he hit the two home runs at Oakland on Saturday. He's been a consistent contributor in terms of getting on base at the States, 426 on-base percentage. I think those sort of talent they carry. Like that, that's something that doesn't fluctuate and that he showed this at this early stage of his career. Um, it, it has to make you feel very positive about where he's going, where he's developing.
0: Now, what kind of young man is he? I know you're around uh, the Astros quite a bit. Uh, have you had a chance to interact with him? What do they say about what kind of young man he seems to be? I know there's the language barrier, but uh, from what you've been able to pick up, what what uh, what makes him stand out? What what kind of guy is he?
2: I think he understands his place. You know, he's quiet. He understands rookies that are being seen and not heard, and he sticks very close to, to, to Yuli Goriel, another fellow Cuban. And a lot of the more mature guys, uh, Latino players on a team like Robertson, Torinos, so I think he's here to learn. I think he's here to, to to embrace as much information as he possibly can to kind of get prepared for a long career with his organization. From my perspective, he's done everything you expect a guy in his position to do. He's come up here. He's kept his mouth shut. He's produced. He's followed leaders on the team, experienced players who can help him out, and he's done it going about the right way. I, I can't find a bad thing to say about Jordan Alvarez at this point.
0: He seemed to be a far and away the rookie story uh, of baseball. And then you had uh, a Streety's Aquino in Cincinnati. Talk a little bit about a comparison between the two because he's eating up a lot of headlines these days. And, boy, just some explosive, incredible power. Talk a little bit about a comparison between the two of those guys.
2: Well, that kind of underscores my point. is three years older, so he's not nearly the same level of prospect that you're so In fact, I don't think he's ever been a top 100 prospect according to Keith Law for um, ESPN. He's kind of come on of late and developed as a later player, but to, to be 25 and just having a success is completely different than to come up at 21-22 and having the success. So I don't think there's much of a comparison. Look, we all get wrapped up in home runs, and Aquino's had an incredible burst these past few weeks with the power. But again, Alvarez is giving you three more years of production, potentially, than Aquino's given you. So I don't think there's much of a comparison. Alvarez is far and away the better prospect has had a much better start to his career than Aquino has.
0: Well, one or two more things before we let you get out of here. One wanted to ask you about moving forward in the race between uh, Cleveland and Minnesota. Cleveland actually took the lead in that division for the first time right. what, last week, and now yeah. it, Minnesota's back on top in that division. Who's going to come out on top? That,
2: that's hard to call. I've I thought all along that Cleveland's going to catch them and pass them. I found their decision to give up, well, to give away Tyler Bauer. Trevor, Tyler Bauer, look at the Astros now. Trevor Bauer, interesting, because they were in position to have an ace lead them to the postseason and to turn away from him, expecting Corey Kluber and these other guys to kind of come back and fill that void was a bit of a risk. But look, Minnesota's offense has been bananas. I don't think anybody could have anticipated them hitting home runs to the right they've hit home runs, but they're starting pitching is suspect. The back end of the bullpen has, is unproven. And the Indians have those things in spades. They have starting pitching. They have, you know, how do you feel about Brad Hand? He's been in closer in this league for a long time, and he's capable. And their offense, while it hasn't performed up to levels it had previously, you know the names are there, and they have the potential to do so. So I think Cleveland's a better team. I think Cleveland's a team that should win that division. But, man, Minnesota's maintaining that momentum for a long time, and they don't seem that like they're ready to back off at any given point.
0: Yeah, the Astros in Oakland, can they – muster up something uh, in that wild card race. Can they represent in the playoffs? Can they make any uh, noise in the playoffs?
2: You talking about athletics?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. Oklahoma A's.
2: Oh, I, oh, oh absolutely. They did it last year. And, and I think, again, they have the depth of, throughout the course of their, their team, offensively, pitching staff-wise, they have enough bodies to kind of throw at, throw at the wall and make it work. Look, they don't have a, a true race on that staff, but they got enough good pitchers. They have some good corner infielders potential for their future, and Olsen and Chapman, but I think they have guys around them that are able to do the job. I think they've – if we talk about roster building and doing so on a budget, you'd be hard-pressed to find a team that's done it better than Oakland and Tampa Bay. I think they understand the concept of we don't have a ton of money flowing into our system because of either the circumstances, the ballpark, our fan base, whatever. They've done a great job of building a team that's competitive every year and could potentially get you into the postseason. And I'm talking about American League teams earlier, Forgot completely forgot about the Rays. They're very much a good have done a great job all season. They really stole some key contributors from the powers last season in their Chris Archer trade. You have to be creative. When you don't have the money to do things, just go out and buy players. You better figure out how to do it otherwise and be good at it. And I think the Rays and the A's have been very good at doing so.
0: Well, I certainly appreciate you taking our time to join us. Now, we want to revisit uh, and speak with you again as the playoffs start. But as we close out here, Do the Astros, will they have the best record in the AL? And, uh, again, uh, I'm going to put your feet to the fire. Go ahead and pick the playoff teams for me on both sides.
2: I think it's going to be the Astros winning the division. Oakland gets in. I think Cleveland wins the division. I think Minnesota gets in. And I think the Yankees win the division. I'm having a hard time saying that Tampa Bay doesn't get in. But I think the way Minnesota has played all season is going to give them just enough of an edge to get in over Tampa Bay. I feel the same way about Oakland. But that's a three-team race for two spots when I'm speaking of Oakland, Minnesota, and Tampa Bay. And it's going to be very, very, very close down to the wire. And I give the slight edge to Minnesota and Oakland, even though I think Tampa Bay has better pitching than Minnesota at this stage. National League, I think it's pretty set. I think Washington is going to get in. I know they've had the problems with the bullpen, and they made some additions. But I think Washington and Atlanta get in. I think the Dodgers get in. And I think both, Cle- I think both the Cubs and the Cardinals get in. I don't know who's going to win that division. The, the 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 Cubs have been like Cleveland to me. They've kind of underperformed. When you look at their roster, they should be better than they've been. I don't know what their issues have been this season in terms of internally not kind of maximizing their talent. But I think they're going to get into the postseason to kind of reiterate their point There, I don't think anybody in that league like is going to touch the Dodgers. They're just so so good, and I think they're going to be in the World Series. I think the American League champion is going to come down to who has home field advantage between the Yankees and Astros. I think Game Seven Uh, a potential Game 7 at one of those parks is going to be to the home team's advantage. I think that team wins. If it's the Astros, I think the Astros get back to the the World Series. If it's the Yankees, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the Game 7 at home simply because of how their roster is built for that ballpark. And I think it's going to be the Dodgers and whoever wins out of the Yankees and the Astros in American League.
0: Well, it'll be interesting to see if the, your opinions change over the next month, month and a half, uh, heading into the playoffs. Uh, if, you, if people want to reach out to you and, and, and hear you, see you, read you, uh, touch base with you on social media, how can folks get to you?
2: Um, you can find me on, on Twitter at Moise Kapinda, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up some writing again for Forbes. I've been writing for them last year. I'm going to get back to writing for Forbes again on Astros coverage um, in, in the coming week.
0: Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. I know, hey, you. Uh, I follow your timeline on Twitter quite a bit, and I uh, I know you are in it every day. You you live it with the Astros and with Major League Baseball, so that's why you're our proverbial uh, baseball expert. So we certainly appreciate your time.
2: Thank you, David. Appreciate it.
0: Great conversation with M.K. Bauer, Mois Capenda Bauer, and uh, getting that baseball fix, uh, sort of uh, scratching that baseball itch. And uh, we hope to visit with him before the start of uh, the MLB playoffs. And I want you guys, if you have any questions for him or comments for us, for him or for uh, moving forward, what do you you want to talk about? uh, Let me know. 832-941-6614 is the number to call. With that, it's time for the I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, (laughs) you big dummy. If you are not familiar with the Lamont Award, it goes to the big dummy of the week. Somebody who's done something really, really stupid. And if you don't know who Lamont Sanford is, hey, that is your homework assignment before you listen to the next show. Because each and every time out, usually, just about every time out, we have a Lamont Award. This week, it's a big, big institutional big dummy. Not that the people are dumb, but they've done something We deem stupid. So you get a Lamont Award. Let the folks at WBNS tell you all about it. Well, Ohio State athletes, coaches, and fans who insist that you call the school the Ohio State University could soon have the federal government on their side. The university has filed a request this morning to trademark the word the. An application filed by Ohio State wants to use the word on T-shirts and hats. Now, a spokesperson says the is a part of the school's name under state law, and it's important to protect the university's brand and trademarks. Yep, you heard it right. The, the, though, the, thou Ohio State wants to trademark the most popular word in the English language. How dare you, Ohio State. It was annoying enough when your players would do it on Monday Night Football. I didn't know that the rest of the institution would take it that serious. If anybody's going to be the, it has to be, especially when you talk about football, and that's what you're known for. I mean, whatever you do in basketball, that's fine. You're known for football. But if anybody's going to be known as the in the sport of football, it has to be a Texas school, the University of Texas, the Texas A&M, the Texas Southern University, the Rice University, the University of Houston, the UTEP. I mean, really? Is this what you're doing? This is how serious you're taking yourself? Look, I know the folks in Michigan are having a blast. You guys enjoy your little rivalry up north, doing what you do. While the state of Texas, we're regrouping, so we can to get all of our schools back in the mix again. It's very, very stupid. It's going to lose. And for that reason, the Ohio State, the Ohio ohio state thou ohio state which isn't even the oldest ohio university uh, i think ohio university is the oldest uh, you are ohio state and you all are big dummies you big dummy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> with that before i let go before before I let go, hey, I want you guys to know, hey, no, I know you guys may disagree with some of the things I say, but no ill will is intended for anybody, even if you disagree with me politically or socially or whatever. I know I made mention of, hey, women are the only game in town. Well, not for some people. The point of the comment was, no matter who you love, it's the only game in town for you, whatever that may be. And so I just used women for me. It was my example. So I don't want anybody to be offended by that. Some of the other stuff I said by the, the person in over office, I'll I stand by that, and I mean, hey, I stand by everything else anyway, but I'm not trying to offend anybody, but want to thank you guys for listening. Want to thank MK Bauer and a great baseball conversation. Want to thank DJ anarchy. Want to thank biscuit and our mystery caller from across the pond who made fun of my phone line. Want to encourage you guys to call and uh, the number is eight, three, two, nine, four, one, six, six, one, four, but please go on the ways Word productions website and subscribe, like, do all of those things things and uh, you can be a more interactive go to the we the people page all of those fun things we have some fun stuff coming up if you want to do fantasy football let me know all of those things so with that hey dj anarchy is going to take us out and as always have a great day